0: You're with Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: All right, welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our number two of this live broadcast here. News and analysis at your fingertips here on the Patrick Henningsen Show. Hello to everybody in the TNT chat room, the thriving intellectual Community there on TNT radio.live. I see you guys in there. Great links, great opposition research. We appreciate it. I see some new faces uh, as well, some new names. Anto, that's a new name. Beyond the system. I like what he's posting as well. Hello, Sandra. And of course, some of the regulars, Holly, uh, Mazzy, and uh, the gang. You guys are doing great in there. Appreciate your engagement. And uh, our next guest uh, is a fellow cohort here at tnt host of germ warfare and he is a, a man of many talents uh including a talented artist as well a political cartoonist jeremy nell joining us on the live link right now hello jeremy patrick it's been too long Is i know we haven't spoken a while jeremy it's uh it's been a while it's been a couple of hours <laughs> <So>.
2: <laughs> In the time that you and I last spoke, I have uh, had a few uh, Jack Daniels, if that's okay with you. It's nighttime here where I am. Oh, it's also nighttime oh, where you the, are, come to think of
1: it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, when you know him as well as I do, we, I call him John. John Daniels. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> we're, we're that close. No, no, I, I, I'm kidding. We're not. We are not we haven't seen each other for a while. might have to visit him tonight. Um you, you, you've absolutely corrupted me even by planting that thought in my head, Jeremy, which is <laughs> extremely naughty of you, actually. Um, so, okay, so, like, one of the things I have to ask you, like, what, mm-hmm. on, earth, what on earth is life like in South Africa now? Because when I saw the, 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 the reports about rolling blackouts, And I thought, oh, goodness, I've been there before living in uh, Mm. Lebanon, six hours a day blacked out, plus everyone's got a Jenny in their basement and car batteries running the fridge, all sorts of stuff. How long has this been going on?
2: Well, firstly, as I am speaking to you right now, uh, there, there is no power. So my entire home is black. But um, I'm running off an inverter at the moment, so I've got a few lights going, and my wife's able to watch TV. But uh, we are currently, just for today, I think we're now into our eighth hour of no electricity, and this is this is normal. This is daily, Patrick, um, and it's been going on. Okay, so where do I begin? It's been going on for about 15 years. Uh, quite technically, the The intensity, however, has accelerated in the last two to three years. So let's say 10 years ago, it would have been very sporadic, maybe one hour per day, every second or third day. Uh, And then three years ago, suddenly shot up to about four hours per day last year. uh, In fact, I think last year, the year 2022, out of the 365 days, I think, maybe 260 or 270 days had rolling blackouts. I mean, that's pretty intense. And the, I, don't think, I don't think there's been more than two or three days this year so far that we've had full electricity.
1: So, so it's a regular schedule. So like people have yes. like factored, they, they priced it into their daily, weekly life, right? Yes. Like businesses, yes. all that. Do you have to rearrange your personal schedules to accommodate this?
2: Yeah, so it's a very interesting conversation and I hope we can chat a little bit about it because I actually, we have an app. Well, there are multiple apps that you can download and the apps tell you when your power is going off in your area for and for how long. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely able to uh, live around the electricity. But the fact is, yes, yes, what's so strange. How can you have an incompetent system if you have an app that accurately tells you when you have no electricity? Because that's pretty competent
1: yeah very efficient so yeah it's it sort of reminds me of the sort of world economic forums life map uh for the future uh where everything is metered and uh you're gonna have to use mm-hmm. like you don't want to go over your allotment of uh your carbon footprint for instance uh do you get the feeling like uh, is this some sort of uh social engineering experiment and they're they're, they're using South Africa as a beta testing ground or yes. something?
2: Yes, so what's interesting is that if you follow the South African media, you wouldn't think that at all. Um, the entire narrative, it's much like the COVID narrative, it's there's a wonderful distraction. And in terms of electricity, the distraction is incompetence, corruption, fraud, um, and you know, the ANC, which is the, the governing party, that's the entire narrative, it's around that almost nowhere at all do you see anything to do with world economic forum sustainable development um, carbon net zero but let me quickly tell you something listen to this so in 2002 all right in terms of the south african carbon net zero approach in 2002 the the Kyoto protocol was ratified 2006 the environmental fiscal reform policy paper was submitted i've got it here in front of me in 2010 uh the south african government presented the target to reduce emissions listen to this 34 percent by the year 2020 and that was submitted to the unf uh c right
1: let's jump ahead four percent that's that's yes. a lot okay.
2: <laughs> so. no no wait 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 2015 the actual legislative process right with carbon budgets began and in 2016 was the implementation of the carbon um, tax okay now where yeah, so it gets even more interesting. And I've got the white paper in front of me and you won't believe how this is completely ignored, right? By by the media. Now, here, let me just find it here quickly in front of me. Sorry, I should have had it open. Um but by the year 2025. Here we go. All right? So the so South Africa pledged to the U to the UN, the IPCC, right? That by the year 2025 we would have a reduction of 42%. By, all right, of CO2. Now consider, Patrick, that about 90% to 92% of South Africa's run of coal, all right, which means basically shutting down all coal power stations by over 40% by the year 2025. That's two years from now. So here's where it gets interesting. Currently, our total installed capacity is around 51, excuse me, 51,200 megawatts, okay? Currently, 20,400 more or less is unavailable due to rolling blackouts. That's around 37 to 38%. Mm -hmm. And around 5,200 megawatts is is what's called planned maintenance. All right. So think about this. Currently, we we don't have 37% and the target by 2025 is 43%. It's sort of a no-brainer, isn't
1: it? they're running yes. your UN sustainable emissions cuts under the guise of corruption and mismanagement and rolling blackouts, yes. right? Yes.
2: <laughs> for goodness sake, for goodness sake, explain to me how is it that if they are so incompetent, if the if the power stations are all falling apart, how is it that they can accurately tell me when my power is going off?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a well-oiled machine, isn't it? It's absolutely. Well, so, so that look, so they can go in 2025, they can proudly go march up to the podium in the United Nations, whoever the South African representatives and proudly announce that they have met their targets, their sustainable development targets. And and that's a great victory mm. somehow, right? What have they done? And, what have they achieved? <laughs> have, is the, is the supposed, weather changed? Yeah.
2: You know, no, uh, well, no, no, I mean, uh, well, obviously the ice caps aren't melting
1: anymore, Patrick, you know. Um, well, that's because know, of your rolling blackouts, Jeremy. <laughs> that's because of your rolling blackouts. So, you know, you guys are just doing your part. This is totally great, you know. But yes, where it gets murky.
2: Okay, so let's not let's not make this too easy. It is true that our power stations also are reaching the end of the line, right? They haven't really been, so 1994 was the changeover from apartheid to the new sort of democratic South African project. I call it a project because it's really a project. It's not doing very well. Um, And the reality is that no new power stations have been built and the population has increased. Obviously it goes without saying that you need maintenance, you need more power stations. Okay, maybe one or two small ones have been built, uh, but you know they've taken years and years and years to, to 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 get online. We also have a nuclear power station that's about 45 minutes away from my house. Um, that thing is fairly well run. I've been there. It's it's very well. It's it's a definitely a good good well oiled machine. But it also it's controlled by the central government. So if if it's told to turn off you know, it's, it's told to turn off. Um, but listen to this, the former CEO, so I I won't get into the domestic politics, uh, but the former CEO said, and he was fired just recently. He said, yeah, that the country should continue with the decommission plan that it had for the power stations that have reached the end of their life cycle. And this, listen to this, this is in line with the agreement that South Africa made at COP26 to lessen its carbon footprint. <laughs> oh, so,
1: oh, really? <laughs> so so is anybody talking about building new ones or uh, where are the plans to, to replace them? Like uh, what, there wind farms, are lots of, solar panels? Yes, lots, what, what?
2: There are lots of wind farms and they don't turn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they tend not to uh quite often actually yeah it's, it's one ridiculous. of the problems with wind farms so so look let's let's be realistic okay uh you can't beat coal in terms of power per square centimeter you can't mm. um you, then next is natural gas uh and then you have nuclear uh, which is good once it's online and the money's been invested and it takes a while to, to you know, pay the investment back, like 20 or 30 years, okay, f- fine. And then you've got sustainable energy, which is intermittent, and, and, and you literally, on its own, you cannot run a modern economy. You can't. No, no. You, nobody has. Nobody's ever done it. So, <laughs> so So it looks like you guys are going to win all your green awards but you're losing a whole bunch of other, you're losing but in I mean, another race, aren't you?
2: You know what really sucks though, Patrick, is that it's fine for you and I, all right? We can, still, we can still handle it. I mean, yeah, I'm running off inverters. You know what it's like. You can, if you're a middle-class type of income person, you can make it. South Africa is part of Africa, which has a serious poverty problem. There are millions and millions of very poor people. What about them?
1: yeah their businesses their homes their 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 medical clinics their yeah. hospitals their schools yeah yeah so yeah so look so if it's a democratic country um how 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 high on the list is this issue is this a priority issue or is this just been shelved off to the side as something you just got to live with and deal with it
2: it's a priority issue Politically speaking, so probably not. Uh, so it will come up in in sort of political dialogue. There's an election coming up, for example. So you know that it's going to come up, and then of course the ruling party says things like, "Yes, we understand, and we're working on it, and we want to make sure that they and they call it load shedding because it sounds a little bit easier on the on the on the ears. Saying saying rolling blackouts, you know, is a lot more harsh, but that's what it is and uh i i saw recently by the way just as a segue i saw the eu started referencing rolling blackouts in the in europe as load shedding also mm. um so it's obviously a term or a euphemism that's going to be used come in the future now one thing i will say it's bad all right it's not easy and i do not see it getting any any better and the the more that the media and all well, the establishment focuses on corruption the more that they're never gonna get to the foundation. It's the same story with viruses. If you don't get to the foundation, you will always hover around that that level that's just above. And I fear that it's gonna get more intense and it's gonna shoot up to 10 to 12 hours per day of no electricity, the closer we get to 2025. I really hope that I'm wrong because the problem there, and, and this is where it gets really, really bad. I'm talking to you now of an inverter. Right, and I've got I've still got all my Wi-Fi and everything, but the the stations, the substations, they also go offline, and they run have their own battery power and charges and stuff. So what happens now after a certain period of time is that they don't get enough time to recharge, and so you end up with this rolling effect of this this domino effect of things collapsing because then the cell phone towers themselves also go offline because each tower's got its own you know uh, battery pack they have to charge as well. And of course the, the towers turn off. And so the, you end up with fewer fewer cell phone towers, you end up with fewer substations and everything just becomes this big domino effect. And you don't realize how important that electrical grid actually is, eventually.
1: So do, do you have a, a landline fiber optic uh, internet? Yeah. Uh, in, in, okay, because so in the Middle East, it's all mobile pretty much like- Oh no. The, yeah, in Lebanon and Syria, everyone's using mobile data for everything because the landlines are, uh, you know, not great, slow, and haven't been updated because all the various warring mafia factions are arguing about who's going to own it. So it never gets developed properly. How did, but, how did you cope? Uh, I coped uh, yeah it just you just cope you just cope i I, I got lucky and you know I found a, a spot where I get good reception a cafe or something like that and or go and find an internet cafe that has a decent connection you do your work there for so many hours a day and then you shift to your next location and you just develop a, a routine uh, you can move to the signal move with the signal and move with the, the credits and stuff like that so yeah but but the, the blackouts were particularly difficult difficult actually but
2: Mm. but as i just said now as i just said if the the power the substations cannot recharge then certain cell phone towers also cannot recharge and then they go offline and so then you end up with uh, a concentration of cellular activity on on the the bigger stations and then of course your you know the quality of everything just falls apart and it just shows you the importance of electricity
1: yeah yeah you can't you can't do it so we're lucky we even we're even having this conversation right because you're competing Mm -hmm. for bandwidth aren't you with a whole bunch of people
2: yeah i mean okay so i mean i think it's it's okay still i i think six to eight hours per day i think all the providers service providers can still handle and they charge for that so everything becomes a little bit more expensive but you can still get by what i'm worried about is what happens when it hits 12 hours per day then it becomes i mean that's literally half of your day it's fifty percent.
1: Then it. Then it's. Then we're hitting serious,
2: serious territory.
1: So I've got to ask you a question here. So why, why, why go with the green agenda? Is it because I know there's a certain mindset of people in government? There's. Is it because there's a certain, uh, a certain sort of status uh, with things that are affiliated with the UN and the international community, progressive uh, institutions uh that a certain it it sort of raises your profile in politics to be or or you feel like you get more as a smaller country you can command more respect from the international community what's the mechanism that people would go along with this scam
2: i don't know um i think if you follow anything to do with bricks and by the way there's the big bricks conference coming up later this year here in south africa patrick i expect to see you here i'll take you for dinner Okay.
1: Um. Th- thank you for the invite. I'm definitely going to consider that on the, on our uh, schedule because I would love to uh, be there uh, when Vladimir Putin, uh, when they come <laughs> to arrest him and he, he gives I mean, them the Jedi, <laughs> the Jedi mind trick and literally said, this is not the president you're looking for. And they say, this is not the president we're looking for. Move along. And Putin just <laughs> carries on his own merry <laughs> business, whatever. It, I, but we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to yeah, that in a minute, but yes, go you, on yes, the BRICS, yes. on the BRICS.
2: So South Africa is a member of BRICS. I, I don't know what that really means yet. Um, maybe in 10 years time that there might be a little significance to that, I don't know. We also are a small S in terms of, you know, big letter, B-R-I-C, and we like that, that the, the little one. I mean, all the countries that are involved with BRICS are, are much bigger than, than, than we are. But I will say this, if anybody has focused just more than five minutes on South African geopolitics, they would have noticed that our president, Cyril Ramaphosa is a serious World Economic Forum um, hack job. He's a lackey for for Klaus Schwab and he is constantly there. He hangs out with all of them. He wears his little Build Back Better badge on his, on his jacket. Um, he's part of the club and that should already be sending shivers down spines
1: okay so so he's in there so he wants to curry mm-hmm. favor i guess you get up higher on that ladder of status if you're meeting your targets right you got boasting rights yeah. so you can they'll yeah. put you on the panel the stage and look and now president of south africa they have they are leading the continent of africa in sustainable development goals applause cue for the applause everybody clap <laughs> and
2: wait uh, i think i might actually yeah. have an applause
1: <laughs> we good yes, and uh, and he's joined by Bill Gates, the uh fa- founder of Microsoft, the inventor he's of fake meat. Here. Is Gates Gates like South Africa? Doesn't he?
2: Yep, and he gives a lot of money to our universities. Wait for it—the
1: medical faculties. Can you guess why, Patrick? Oh. Uh, maybe a uh, virological research and vaccine development. How about that? <laughs> yep,
2: he. Lo- I think he's given to the tune of something like one to three million US dollars, just to the uh, University of Johannesburg, it's just to the, med- uh, the medical faculty, and it's just to the virological department.
1: Ah, uh, and and probably your uh, you know public health officials or uh, recipients of uh, Gates grantees uh i'm sure so they're very loyal to the uh to the subject matter at hand and the media so, yeah and the media right so that's how yeah. it's it's not expensive to implement this globally you just have to give money to the right universities in the right countries to the right people and then and then you promote them with a position on the world health organization our african yeah. representative here from the university of johannesburg is such and such and uh yeah a gates a gates award winner from previous years so yeah that's how think, it's done
2: do you think patrick that um africa is going to be significant in the next 10
1: to 15 years i think it, i think it could be um but if it doesn't get its act together it's going to be maybe we have to extend that to like 30 or 50 <laughs> years if it had its act together it, it and basically gave the middle finger to europe and the US I think yeah it could be a major global force in in 10 15 20 years without a doubt and then stuck their finger up to the WAF as well and told them to take a hike well I think yeah that we did we did to the WHO uh
2: so I mean let's let's be real for a second the vaccine uptake right across Africa I think is the lowest right across the world I think South Africa's official official vaccine uptake is around 20% or something, which is a beautiful figure if, 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 if compared to the rest of the world.
1: Oh, but that, no, no, that's a crisis. That's a crisis. Our our politicians are saying, this is is, uh, absolutely terrible. We're denying the poor Africans access to vaccines. We need to change this somehow. Maybe you give them our doses, our expired doses. We're going to dump those (laughs) on you and hope that you guys stick those into the arms of your population. Please, let's not waste the money. And we can feel good doing it, right? We're giving things to the Africans. That makes us feel good. That's how we... uh, that's how we virtue signal. Let's take a break here. I'm with Jeremy Nell, host of Germ Warfare on TNT. Uh, he's also got a fabulous podcast as well, Germ Warfare. You want to visit that website? Look, let's take a break here. I'm Patrick Henningson, your host. We'll be back in just a few minutes
0: de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective climate models are continuing to forecast an impressive el nino for this upcoming winter in the northern hemisphere of course uh, summer in the southern hemisphere and what is very very interesting is how opposite this looks from last year and it's not so much that it's opposite in the el nino areas you're always going to get that right I mean, if you had a La Nina, then the El Nino comes on, and of course it's going to be warm there. But unlike last winter, the Western Indian Ocean is very, very warm. And this would suggest that perhaps this El Nino, even though it's going to be a major El Nino, is going to fall apart pretty quickly once the winter slash summer begins. But there are other things that are going on. The warm spot in the Pacific Basin is actually much further east in the upcoming winter season for the Northern Hemisphere, summer season for the Southern Hemisphere. And the Atlantic Ocean is as warm as you'll ever see it on a computer forecast. Last year it was warm, but not as warm as this looks. So there are really some contradicting signals here especially for the Northern Hemisphere winter, which at WeatherBell, we're already looking at. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. With a compelling perspective on global politics, this is The Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio. All
1: right, here we go. Here we go. We're in the final segment, the final stretch of our number two, this live broadcast. Thank you everybody for joining us. Hello to everybody in the TNT uh, chat room there. That's our own little personal think tank. It's a big chat room with lots of uh, smart people in there dropping dropping truth bombs knowledge and links. I'm with uh, Jeremy Nell. He's the host of Germ Warfare. Uh, Very good show here on TNT. Also, Jeremy's got a uh, amazing, well, he's got a great website that's basically a hall of fame of the best interviews uh, on the internet <laughs> so so I got a joke for you how about this uh Jeremy here's a question it's a joke how do you carry 100 billion in laundered money to a bank I want to say a wheelbarrow no you Ukraine you it with, with a crane. <laughs> Ukraine it with a crane you get it with a crane
2: yes 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 I'll set a wheelbarrow because that's quite literally what Zimbabweans did <laughs>
1: <laughs> no that was to get yeah, that's a loaf of bread yeah we're talking about uh, so there's 100 bi- hundred, hundred billions. a lot so yeah but uh zimbabwe oh i remember that yeah that was, that's have you been there that, yeah i haven't but i had i had many friends i used to uh i used to live in a house full of south africans kiwis aussies and zimbabweans in south southwest london in the early 90s and um and I, yeah, the, the fascinating uh, folk. It was just, it was just around the time when you had your big uh, transition in South Africa as well, mm. or just before that, actually, just before that. But um, i I found the Zimbabweans all were kind of related somehow to uh, farmers or farming families. Yes, um, you know, yeah. good like big strong sort of folk, and uh, yeah, formerly Rhodesia. Uh, interesting history, and uh, yeah, they uh, they were the first recipient of full economic sanctions back in the 1960s. So that's when the whole sanctions game got developed. I think the Rhodesia was the first target uh, of sanctions. Yeah, and then we all had it. Yeah, you guys had it as well. Yeah, yeah, it was rough. Successful sanctions, uh, uh, according to the West of course it's an Mm. interesting conversation actually if you consider Mm. all the other countries under sanctions now today and this whole lineage of using this uh as a as a weapon the west like to use that weapon that's one of their favorite new weapons of choice
2: but patrick there is a little caveat Uh, our sanctions were severe and they were difficult and i grew up in them and i do remember them i was quite young but i do remember a lot of it there is a caveat, as I said, and that is the US, at least many parts of the US and the UK, did not sanction us. Or well, they did officially, but they didn't because why? We have gold and platinum and diamonds. Uh huh. <laughs>
1: ah, that's good. Okay. Yeah. I remember. I remember that. I remember that. It was a big controversy. Uh, and, and the Olympics even got pulled into it with Zola Budd, mm. the uh, yeah. barefoot runner great great yeah. uh great she was runner. great yeah she used to run barefoot I think right yeah mm, that's right she did mm.
2: um if you've ever seen the movie Blood Diamond with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio okay so it's a little bit sensationalized and yes it's a movie but a lot of that is real you know uh the the this is Africa concept It it is a little bit chaotic and while it sounded like I was saying good things earlier you know um there are many bad things also you know, uh, I do enjoy living here and I wouldn't emigrate yet uh, because I'm sure you'll un- you'll understand that you, you learn to love what you know. It's very difficult to just uproot and go somewhere else. It takes quite a lot of balls and and you need to let go of a lot of things and, and I'm not ready to let go of all those things. So I can still make it through the chaos of, of the African continent. But it is its own challenge in many, many ways. You have to get through all the... Culture wars, number one. You have to get through the electricity problems. You have to get through the constant, constant Western interests. Look at all the countries in the Southern African block from Angola to Mozambique. You, you can just name them one after the other. There's Western interest in all of them when it comes to oil. There's oil, huge amounts of oil off Angola. The place is a mess um, as a result. Uh, I mean, Africa itself actually is a mess you know, everything is sub saharan wherever the West has brought it's, it's, it's footprint, it's left a hole Libya, you know, big example. Um, so, so, I, I, and I don't know how to, I don't know what the solution is. I, I think it's just to fumble and bumble one's way back into some sort of prosperity, I guess.
1: I guess if they if they, if, they, if 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 everyone said when is free energy going to come online, when is free energy mm-hmm. going to come on? If free energy came online, we wouldn't be having half of these conversations. And then there's those who believe that, uh, and I'm sure you've researched this as well. And there's a thriving alternative community, especially around Cape Town, mm-hmm. that are well steeped in these issues. Uh, I've met a few of them in my travels around the world. Um, is this technology actually available <laughs> now? But it's being suppressed. Okay, are you talking about? I've seen some interesting things. I don't know. Have you seen? Have you seen any interesting things along these lines? Yes, but nothing, nothing that's um, of any significance, if that makes sense. Tesla technology, um, I think. Mm. Mm. Yep. harnessing the Nicola, natural Nikola Tesla. Yeah, Tesla technology that the basis for Harp uh, weather modification. Mm. Is based on the same principle. So, yeah, I guess if South Africa would be uh, one of those uh, countries that would benefit greatly from that, I suppose they should just let it out or at least give it out to some people and not others. I don't know, just slowly drift it out. Uh, the ultimate would be the personal free energy generator on your land or your home. That would be the ultimate.
2: Yeah. That's a great comment, Patrick. And it's something that I think about a lot, um, obviously living here. And and one of the silver linings is, uh, and I've often said this on my own show, but it is actually a good thing having a government that is um, useless. A failed state is also a blessing in disguise because a failed state means you have a government that's too inept and too incompetent to successfully oppress you. And what it means is that you'll- You'll end up with secessionist movements, you end up with privatization, you end up with all sorts of organizations and people doing their own thing because people are now, they're now tired of waiting. Nothing happens, so they do it themselves. I've got friends, um, being South African, there is a, you know, there's a, a very big expat community around the world and I've got friends who immigrated to Calgary, which is in Canada. They want to come back. They've been there over a decade, they want to come back because they said that Trudeau is too efficient at oppressing them. And they'd rather come yep. back to the chaos, the decentralized yep. chaos.
1: That's it. Yeah, you got a weak central government, uh, so they can't put up speed cameras every 50 feet and find you into into the grave, mm. which they can do in Canada, in the UK, in parts of Europe. They can mm. just destroy you psychologically yep. and financially by yep. just finding you to death with this technocrat system. They can't, You can't do that in South Africa. This is a beautiful thing. No, because… Thing because
2: if everything is broken and, and nothing is centralized, I mean, a huge amount of things are not centralized. So for example, I don't know how it is for you in the UK, but here something as stupid and as silly as a speeding fine is completely separate to anything else. So you can rack up speeding fines for years and years and years and not pay any of them, and it will have no impact on anything else in your life. Fantastic. Uh, because they're not, because, because digital ID is gonna take very much longer to to work successfully here because everything is broken
1: yeah yeah so all the americans say we're for the freest country on earth and our freedoms and fighting for freedom and all you're not free no you guys are Mm. free you guys because that's the stuff that really tortures you living in a modern society is this technocrat system that's very real and it's very present and it's everywhere and you can't get out of it literally. So like, yeah, the speeding thing, as soon as you get in your car here, you're, you're literally, your life could change on the way to work if you happen to scratch somebody's fender or the the, the, the <laughs> camera flashes you twice. Like it happened to me, but, I got a, I got a yeah. 250 pound fi- fi- fine uh, for going in a uh, 35 in a 20 mile an hour zone at 5 a.m. <laughs> in the morning with nobody around. <laughs> And it was like, oh, thanks. Thanks. Here's your money. Okay. But what happens if you don't pay that? Uh, then there will be a warrant uh, out for maybe your car could be impounded. Uh, they have plate recognition and who, I don't know what the the deal, probably a court summons and it would quadruple or go up to a thousand dollars, whatever. And you end up, your credit rating gets dinged. And of course, if you have a low credit rating in America, uh, no, n- no one will ever date you. Uh, you'll be ostracized <laughs> from society and you can't <laughs> own anything. And you're become a Schwabian uh, a proletariat at, that point
2: so I think there is an advantage to living in in a you know decentralized chaos there are you have to find the silver linings if you don't adopt some sort of stoic outlook you're going to you're going to collapse you're going to wake up with no meaning or no
1: purpose Patrick that's what someone told me in Lebanon they said here he's thought in Lebanon the government is so weak that the little man is king The man on the street (laughs) is still King, still King. So this is it, isn't it? Your little man, still King. The guy with the shop on the street pays the same rent for the last 50 years. Right. And he's that's it. Yeah,
2: it's exactly right. And you know, you have to understand that the, while the, 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 the Schwabians, while the UN are looking for more and more people to urbanize, they want millions of people to live in the cities because it's easier for mass surveillance and mass control. That's gonna take a long time to hit African countries because African people, for better or for worse, are very quick to throw the middle finger. Um, In South Africa, let me give an example. Think about apartheid for a second, right? Black people had to walk around with something called a a dompas, which is um, Afrikaans for um, like a passport uh, to show that they, it's not the same as your normal identification or your normal passport it's a separate thing that was implemented by the by the the central government and if you didn't show that you you could be arrested so it's it's some sort it's it's not that dissimilar to a vaccine passport now do you think that that's going to fly with the same people no
1: no 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 so that that so that's interesting very interesting yeah, that you have to take most people don't take that into account when they're mm. evaluating it's, it's culture. whether yeah. That is interesting. Hmm. A little ray of hope there. Yeah, oh, giving us some interesting. Uh, so there's more potentially more freedom in in South Africa, even though the government's dysfunctional. So is it dysfunctional enough? Last question I'm going to ask you before we we cut uh, mm-hmm. d- the second hour here. Is it so dysfunctional that if Vladimir Putin came to the BRICS summit and there is an International Criminal Court arrest warrant <laughs> to nab him in South Africa, would the South Africans execute that arrest warrant, or would they say? <laughs> hey, hey, Vlad, don't worry about this, we'll deal with that. Don't worry about that, let's go for a drink. Have you? Did you bring the vodka, Vlad? What, what, how, how's well, that gonna play out in South Africa?
2: <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Number one, if he does pitch up, the ruling party, the ANC, uh, will, will not allow him to be arrested. So for all their warts, they've got it right, I think, on Russia. Um, the opposition party wants him arrested and they won't get it right.
1: Oh, interesting okay (laughs) yeah that that, that, yeah there's the pedigree with the anc i see that a very strong russian affiliation there yes very friendly yeah and also the icc you know all about them yeah you guys are a signatory aren't you
2: well yes but i mean for goodness sake the icc has got no bite
1: that's true. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a paper tiger in that respect. I, I always tell the African countries, get out of the ICC. I walked in their lobby, and it's all it literally there's f- five or six black guys uh, <laughs> on the wall when you walk in, the only people they've ever committed. And now the, Vladimir Putin's the first white man ever to be indicted by the ICC. So he he's, he's, he's shattered the glass ceiling of uh, uh, di- equity, diversity, and inclusion. And I think this is a great moment for progressives. That Putin is the first white man. to So this is true equality, <laughs> isn't it? It's not just in Africa. Yeah. It's not just to get rid of African people. The U.S. government doesn't like.
2: And I know we have to shoot, but um, I'll just tell you quickly, uh, Patrick. I had a conversation with somebody recently who was talking about IQ and and the West and white people having the highest IQ, and I said, you know, I actually nah. am disillusioned by that now because. The people with the highest IQ in the last three years, from my observation, have been the ones who've willingly gone on, gone along with vaccine band aids and lockdowns and everything else. And it's the people around me here on the African continent who said, Nope.
1: <laughs> it's just Darwin's theory of evolution in action, isn't it? So it's like the Africans are gonna they're they're gonna uh, survive. I think the apocalypse, and the uh, the Europeans are gonna tear each other to pieces with all their democratic
0: plots. Yeah,
1: one hundred percent. Hey, we're a victim of our own success here, Jeremy. In in Western, mm. in the Western advanced world, this is the thing. This is always it's always been our our drawback. We're a victim of our own success. Jeremy Nell, absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us uh, on our show on TNT. Thanks, Patrick. Check out Germ Warfare on TNT. Also check out Germ Warfare, uh, Jeremy's website as well a bevy of information interviews and lots of enlightenment and a little bit of entertainment too which is which isn't bad itself look that's all we've got time for today thank you very much to freddie ponton french journalist in the first hour and of course jeremy nell and thank you to everybody there all our listening tnt chat community you guys are awesome i'll see you guys tomorrow same time same place top of the hour news headlines coming up stay on the network jesse zurwell's coming up for his news program and we'll see you guys later